Russ and Chris, obviously, you guys are uh, doing the besties now. Uh, sort of a, a side project. The besties, uh, resties. The besties, resties. Yeah. Um, and you've, you know, it's the gravy poured atop the main, the main course, mm. which we're recording right now. A delicious, succulent gravy. Which is an ice cream sundae. Right. It's an ice cream sundae with gravy on it. But anyway. It's like the Equate brand. Yes. <laughs> but I, I was just, I'm worried, I guess, that you guys are all, all fucking used up, all wrung out. Yeah. All the, like, games talk. Because I saw how many games you guys talked about. It's a lot. And I'm worried you've yeah. been squeezed dry put through the thresher. And then what we're going to get is what they call in the podcast industry, the snickle fritz. Bitter drag. Is that, We've got, is that a term that you coined for your book? Well, technically yes. the Big Comfy Couch coined it. And yeah. then we kind of built on it. Yeah. Um, When are you guys going to start doing that? Write a book? No, no, no. When are you going to start doing the, the resties? It's, it's happened already. <laughs> ah, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I'm just. I loved the first. I, I, I wanted to say, I loved the first. I meant to say, when are you guys going to do a second one? Because I love the first. Two one. weeks <laughs> after the second. Uh, th- two weeks after the first one, which was. <laughs> <laughs> so did you? But were you? A, is there a moment in the resties where you guys were like, "Oh, we we got to save some juice." <laughs> Is asking if you if you did the peeking back off. That's a, he's so worried. They hear game nut. <laughs> being there, we've got some primo Majesco games to talk about this episode, so do no. not worry. No. <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy, and I know a game that came out this week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best monkey ball that came out this week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and figure! <laughs> My name is Ross Rush, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. Um, this week, we have a, a long storied franchise <laughs> returning to its former uh, uh, glory. It's, well, no one wrote the name of the game in this document, but it's like Super Monkey something, something, something. something. I wrote it. Super yeah. Monkey Ball Banana Mania. Super Monkey Ball Mania. Mania. Banana, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. What it, uh, now, play it, what could that be? Well, we're not really going to talk a whole lot about it. That's, I'm, I'm sorry, I got to surprise y'all. We're going to talk a little bit about it. But the game is, you know, it's Super Monkey Ball. It's fine. We'll get into it a little bit. I had a, I had a question that I wanted to run past y'all for this episode. Is that cool okay. by you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So while playing this game, I got bored. And instead, hmm. I watched my three-year-old son finally fall in love with Sonic the Hedgehog games. This has yeah. been a three-year project spanning the entirety of his life. Um, and he now knows how to play a Sonic game. Is it one of the main ones? No. Is it the mobile one? Yeah. Anyway, it inspired a question in my brain that is, are we living in the true golden age of Sega? Which sounds controversial because they don't have a console like they did when we were kiddos. Right. But I think we are. And I thought maybe for this episode we could talk about why there's never been a better time for Sega. Well, we've languished in this introduction long enough. Let's take a quick break and we'll get right. It's into what it. I do. 
he languishes, Justin! Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties but first a brief discussion of super monkey ball may i begin uh no no you may oh, not but no please. no you may not you may go later I, after I, we have ta- after we've talked about super monkey ball the video game okay i want to talk about how this game starts because i don't think there's been any game that i've played this year that starts stronger than super monkey ball banana mania and i will tell you why right now the game starts, the menu screen comes up, and you hear this. Hello, 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 banana. Amazing it's a good start. way to, yeah, yeah. A lot of people talk about the, um, you know, the Mako Reactor sequence sure. in Final Fantasy VII as like a strong introduction. Um, World you know, 1-1 the, uh, in Mario. Mm. Infiltrating Outer Heaven and Metal Gear Solid. Like, there's some really strong, but I think we can all agree that hello, 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 banana is, I mean, great. Great. Dynamite. Uh, I'm going to say another thing I like about this game. Uh, one, if you like Super Monkey Ball, hey, guess what? It's more Super Monkey Ball. And I there's think a, like there's it. so much of it. There's so much of it. Uh, I, there are new characters added, like uh, you can get the dude from Yakuza, you can get Sonic the Hedgehog, and I thought, uh-oh, it's going to make me play a lot of Super Monkey Ball to unlock those characters. No. no <laughs> it seemed no. to understand exactly the amount of time that I had for Super Monkey Ball, and it made sure that I could unlock almost all of them with that amount of time. So if you, if that's what you're coming for, great. You, you'll have yeah. it all in like the first hour or two. <sighs> There's a weird, this is a good Super Monkey Ball game. My problem with it is I think that I just don't really enjoy Super Monkey Ball anymore. And I used to a lot. I think I I mostly enjoyed it as a, I'll tell you the heartbreaking thing for me. I used to play this game. I used to play the mini games in like local competitive multiplayer mode with my friends, Mm -hmm. like for entire evenings, specifically Monkey Target. Yeah. Uh, which is a really fun game where you roll down like a ski slope and launch off the end of it and then try to like hover over to a target and land on it. It was fun. And you can do it for hours with your friends and it's a good time. Um, the game has been uh, re- remade. So there are some, I am not like a big enough devotee to this franchise to have really noticed the differences. 
Uh, but the physics engine is a bit different, oh. which is, yeah, which is like, you know, I, if you are somebody, if you're like a speedrunner who spent tens of thousands of hours playing any of the Super Monkey Ball games, I bet it's definitely noticeable. It is. It was, however, for me, extremely noticeable in Monkey Target, which I would say is nigh-on unplayable, which is fucking weird. Like, it's almost impossible to make anything happen in that game because of the differences to the physics I, that I, That's the only weird thing that I noticed about that. I would also say that the minigames... You know, you might think, oh, the main mode of Super Monkey Ball is the way to go. That is mistaken. The main mode of Super Monkey Ball is kind of bad. As Griffin said, the party games are where it's at. And the party games are quite good. And I actually was also playing Monkey Target and did notice it felt a little bit different, but I still was able to really enjoy myself. So I think that's still really good in golf and bowling. There's like a lot of party games that are still really good. So if you like are into it for that, there's so much just of that stuff that you could ignore the main game and be perfectly fine. It is weird that you can't play a Sonic in the party games or Yakuza guy or whomever. That's weird. But other than that, I actually think it's pretty good on the party game front. I am so glad I listened to the besties because I tried to just play through the campaign. No, big mistake. Let me tell you. Yeah, that was a very quickly became a test of my patience it's not a fun game it's not at all here's the thing about uh super monkey ball like to watch it it's a great game to watch like watching talented people yeah talented monkey ball players is great yeah or people who are really bad losing their gourds that's also good but yeah justin unleash we've been waiting let me out okay let let me out out. the kraken i didn't enjoy this very much oh okay (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, no, I just I um that's maybe understating it. I would rather if they if they made Madden as a four X game, I would rather become a pro level player of that than another um hour of monkey ball. When the um uh Skype call came to begin this show, it was the sweetest sound I ever heard, knowing that I would have no more cause to play monkey ball. It's I don't even know. I can't judge if it's this game's fault. I don't, I mean, maybe it is. I'm hearing from some of you that seems to have its failings. Just Monkey Ball as a game sucks, like, as a <laughs> single player. And I'll tell you why. I, I actually can, I, I, I was thinking about it. I was like, I was playing it like, hmm, why does it suck? The, um, you, if it's the sort of thing where if you start having too much fun, you lose, yeah. right? It wants you to do that. It's like the how Sonic Sometimes some, the bad Sonic games wants you to slow down and find all the stuff, and the good Sonic games are like, fucking rip it, baby, <laughs> go! This game is like, if you start having fun making a ball go down a slide fast, there's something primal about that that is pleasurable. Yeah. If you start like, man, I'm really whipping ass, then it's like, oh, are you having, you're having too much fun, you're going to go off the side and start over. Like, no, slow down. That's the fun of Monkey Ball, is taking corners in a slow <laughs> fashion so you can methodically make it to the end. I think I finally packed it up the first time that there was like a platform at the end of the level that was like going up and down and <laughs> to finish the level I had to like patiently wait for it to return <laughs> elevator. and then enjoy my way onto the elevator it's just like completely undelightful I I, 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 I yeah I wish I would have told if you're you the sort of person that just plays single player like just I'm I'm not a multiplayer gamer hardly at all I mean like almost without exception um and this was most certainly like a unpleasurable 
full price experience for me, a consumer. Uh the strength of the game is the multiplayer modes, which yes. they're they have incorporated like the 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 mini games because they have incorporated like a lot of them. Uh, I didn't I didn't see anything missing, and there's like a pool game and a bowling game, and they great are golf they game. are maybe a, great a golf, golf game, game yeah. that's like better than most golf games. They are more fun than the the core game experience. So if you you know bought this game and aren't enjoying it like Justin and experiencing some buyer's remorse. Uh, I'd encourage you to check those out because they are they are pretty great. But yes, it it is fundamentally not my jam to go through these mazes. Uh, I'm going to wrap slowly. up the specific monkey ball section of the yeah. show right here by saying goodbye, 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 banana. Banana. All right. Um, okay. So Chris is about to try and, uh, <laughs> After try and convince us <laughs> that it's not the Sega Genesis era or Dreamcast era. That was Sega's golden era, but this one where they got Super Monkey Ball out the door. Are you talking about, are you making a distinction between Sega as publisher or Sega as developer? Mm, good question. Uh, I'd say both. I, 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 I would company, say Sega as a, as, as a, a force a company, of gaming. As a yeah, force. For, for us, the, for we the gamers. Yes, because, okay, so here's my point. One, everything that you loved from the uh, the Sega Genesis days, you can pretty much play it anywhere you want right now, right? Like, it's probably on iPad. It's going to be on Switch. If it isn't already, they're going to be free. Lethal Enforcers. What Is about that anything that you want to play? Chris. Right? Okay. <laughs> you know, like, General Chaos isn't there because of EA, but I can't hold that against Sega. Uh, right? Sonic games are actually good now. Which I know is a controversial take. I say this as somebody who loved Sonic as a kid. Those games aren't great. Like, they're not. Mario games are better. Sonic games, for all the reasons that Justin said uh, back in the day, they punished you for the fun after the mm. first two levels. Anybody who says they love Sonic 1 and 2, they love the first level or two of Sonic 1 and yeah. 2. Right? Sonic Mania, Sonic Colors, those games rule. Incredible. Right? There- are you talking for your thesis here? Mm-hmm. Are we? Are you talking about more of a? You're not putting such sort of clinical, um, like calendar year date limits, like 2021. You're talking more in terms of like something more amorphous, an era, yeah, a a, a, a phase. I would say this era started in like the last four years, three to four okay. years. I will say this stuff. They're not exact. I can't like exactly get into it very deeply um it despite my many efforts but i do think that what they're doing with the yakuza franchise is sort of one of the great success stories Mm -hmm. yeah sure of gaming right now where it's like it's weird it's huge it's well funded um and has developed like a really big audience which i think is is extremely cool to to build on your um and that's a franchise that's also cool because the, I feel like that's one that they just like really invested in yeah. in a way that like people don't like a lot of publishers don't have that sort of patience. Like they just kept laying the groundwork and they just kept bringing them over. And now I feel like they're, they're starting to like reap the the benefits of that um, I, in a major way. I think they took the playbook from another company they, they merged with or acquired, which is Atlas because mm. persona and Shin Megami Tensei, same thing, right? Like, right. Persona has just only gotten bigger here. Shin Megami feels like it maybe is going to finally have that moment with the big new release on Switch this, I think, December, right? So uh, That sounds right. 
they have three of the biggest RPG franchises in act like active RPGs right now. That's that's mm-hmm. wild. That's again so much better than any other point. And my argument here is one Sega Genesis period, love it, but a lot of the stuff that's great there is like EA games. Uh, Sega Dreamcast, my my personal favorite period, also love it. But they weren't like dominant. It was mostly like, oh, here are some quirky things. Uh, and if you want quirk, right now we have well, one Hatsune Miku, which is the, the single greatest living pop star. Uh, and living thirteen sentinels. That. But okay, not living. She's not alive. She's not alive. What? She's not living. She's not alive. She's not living. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it depends on what you mean by living, right? Mm, because I would say being hey, a... Chris, no, Chris, the robots are taking our jobs and it's something in the entertainment industry and in the music industry, like myself. Um, it's I, it's a robot and it's taking our jobs. And do you not think okay? that the robot will take you... Like, robots could write about video games pretty easily. They are yeah. them. Mm. Oh. Mm. Who better to write about video games than themselves? Hatsune Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I am great. That's that's uh, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. Ooh ooh ah uh, ah! Uh, I'm a good one. <laughs> I am not political. <laughs> I'm a non-political experience. Does Sega? We can all agree on this. As Hatsune Miku. So I, Hatsune Miku is. Uh, it's difficult. Can to anyone explain? truly own Hatsune? <laughs> well, no, Miku? it's true because intellectual property rights work differently in Japan. So it is like more open source than like Mickey Mouse, but. Yeah, Sega Sega owns the rights to make Hatsune Miku. So the prime minister is Hatsune Miku, is what you're saying? What? That's the Japanese prime minister. That works either. Okay. All right. Let me. Can uh, how much is left of your thesis? I mean, I could go into like the assembly, creative assembly, two points, but I I don't think like anybody wants us to do that. So maybe you should you should uh, save me. I'm just saying, fucking 1999, launch of the Dreamcast, Sonic Adventure, Shinmu, fucking. Lots of jammers. This would just have radio. I think I would be hard pressed to believe that there would there is currently or ever will be a better Sega era than than that one right there. I think the argument would be that you can now play the. I don't know this for sure because I don't play Sega games because generally they're not great. But the ones that <laughs> wow, I do enjoy, wrong. you wow. can play more or less anywhere. I think that is the the change. That's true. Yeah. That unites we the gamers. You don't need to invest and divides us. Yeah, you don't That's need true. to invest in like a doomed console like the Dreamcast to experience these enjoyable wow. games now. Sega looked at the console wars and said, "Let there be peace." <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, you know they were gonna make a Dreamcast too, and actually there was like a million pre-orders for it, but they were like, "Let there be peace." The only yeah. winning game we- is not to play. Yes, exactly. And after that, <laughs> Seaman too, <laughs> which they did release also. You got to credit them for that. I mean, the, I would make the argument that that was a very exciting time to be a Sega mm. fan. The most exciting, because um, they were throwing was, their hat I, over the fence as their death rattle cried out. As we all remember, I was working at Babbage's at the time. Right. And that was a thrilling time to be a Babbage's employee. That was like a um, GameStop for people who don't know about Babbage's. Yeah, right. It got rolled. We used to have a lot of things that weren't GameStop, and now they're just games. That's hard. For, yeah, we used to have like EB Games yep. and Fun- Funkaland. Yeah, that was oh, one, right? Man. New Egg. Yeah, right. New what? Egg. New Egg. That's Babbage's not- <laughs> Elbow. Um, so we call it. No, um, I would say though that was like an exciting time as a as a as a brand. 
but those game that like that crop of Dreamcast games, I, I, I in terms of like, would you want to play them today versus the games that Sega is releasing today? I think you may not hold up quite as yeah. well. I mean, I'd still fuck around with the original Fantasy Star Online with like <laughs> actual servers and shit. You can literally I, play I, Fantasy sorry, Star Online too right now. It, it exists. Yeah, but it's not. That's yeah. Okay, that's not the same game. It's you wildly different. Now, Okay, you can't, I will say this, uh, against Plant's argument, which I think is fundamentally sound, you can't just say that because a game from the late 90s is playable today, it is part of the landscape currently. That is not a fair mm. argument to make. Okay, I, I, think, I, think, I think, Justin, I think your point is, if you could only keep the games that were on the Dreamcast or keep Yakuza, Persona, Shumigami Tensei, 13 Sentinels, and the modern Sonic games, which would you choose? I think it's a little busted to weave Persona in there. Yeah, that's but not a say. Otherwise, game. yes, yeah, it is. It is. They're wholly owned. Oh, Atlas, it's a wholly, wholly owned subsidiary. Of I didn't Sega. know that actually. Wow. Yeah. Read a book. Yeah, read a book. There, Mr. Gaming Expert. Yeah. You, Empire <laughs> of Sin. Anyone? <laughs> Did you miss the Hot Season Nikki <laughs> song where they explain all of this? So I I, th- I think that there's a lack of cohesion. I will say, as a publisher right now, and I think the the persona thing sort of um, emphasizes this. I think there's a slight lack of cohesion because Sega does so much on so many different fronts. They're mobile. They're um you know they're in arcades still, where a lot of companies have have moved on from that. Like uh, I think if you compare um like. I feel like Capcom yes. has done a better job of saying like, okay, these this is what we do. These are our franchises. These are our games. Got it. Um, and, Sega's and too good. That. They, they do too much right. <laughs> too diluted, I would say, maybe. Would you say I, where I would go Sega that. does what, what Nintendo don't? Well, I think in a real sense, yes, yeah, in the sense absolutely. of like making things that a lot of people like and then getting super rich off of it. I would yeah. also say like I think Sega is more in tune to making games that feel very true, uh, not necessarily true, but very at their core Japanese culture centric, which is interesting. Sure. Nintendo doesn't necessarily do that. And that seems like an identifying characteristic of all these games. Uh, I think that's fair. I think we did it. I think we proved that I am right. And... I don't know who disagreed with me. Griffin is wrong. I, w- I, I will say, I will, I will grant you this. Sega was dog shit for a while after the after the Dreamcast failed. Sega lost this way. I think we can all agree. Yeah. And I, as somebody who uh, does enjoy quite a few Sega games, am am happy and excited that they are making cool shit. I think Yakuza absolutely rips ass, and it makes me very happy God. that they got that going on. Um, Damn it, though. I mean, okay, okay, okay. I know we're not limiting it to years, but like, if we're just just 1999, I know that's what I'm saying. Anno Domini, 1999, Shenmue, Space Channel Five, Crazy Taxi, Seaman, Choo Choo Rocket, Samba de Amigo, Toy Commander, Slave Zero, like Power uh, Power the, Stone. The, uh, Power Stone is Capcom. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to give that to them, but like. It's that's, pretty good. That's a lot. That's really pretty good. good. <laughs> that's really good. I mean, that's really tough it's to, pretty good. to fuck with. Okay, we'll but call it's it been worse, is what I'm saying. Much <laughs> worse. They, they worse. brought it back. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't even, I didn't even, both the 2K game. I mean, NBA 2K, yeah. NFL 2K. Like, those used I mean, to be Sega games for people who don't. 
know that. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I'm an elderly man. If that's what you're trying to get at, I agree with that, too. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, so I guess... I'm sorry, Plant. I'm. Uh, I love that you you had the uh, thesis. I'm glad you brought it to us. Uh-huh. But like, I like that you put like it, it in a binder for, and you did yeah, some the clip binders art. that you mailed to all of us. You uh-huh. are a bit much clip but... art of Sonic kissing Hatsune Miku, <laughs> which is so looks self drawn. It distracted me from thinking about the Super Monkey Ball banana baby, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> all right. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Um, we mentioned it last week. But uh, we're doing a survey to get a sense of our listenership. We know sexy, sexy, sexual, handsome, beautiful, gorgeous. Smart, brain. Smart, funny, athletic, immortal. 
but we would like to get a bit more detail if you if you would be so kind to so for advertising purposes so we can target your interests directly that's right give us your personal information go to bit.ly forward slash survey besties and let us give you the relevant advertising content that you crave, but also help support the show in a real sense because it helps us to make the besties. So if you, it's a, it's an easy, easy way to do that. So if you could, it's, if you could go to that link, bed.ly forward slash survey best. It's anonymous. Justin didn't make that super clear. It sounds like you were entering your social security I mean, number. We would say that of course, <laughs> you, you know, we would say that of course, but our listeners are nothing if not sure, savvy, you know, Survey, 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 survey. Answer the questions. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to hear about the freaking Switch that's got new digital pixels that are, I guess, brighter. Yeah, Walmart <laughs> reached out to me and they're like, hey, Tom, do you remember you were, you were doing this? And I was like, yeah, I guess. I guess I, guess I did. Uh. It's a, it's a weird time. And it's we're also the, the, the special thing about OLED, the, the pixels are actually darker. Oh, and it, and it makes it makes the bright ones contrast better. Yeah, so I've been using the OLED model of the Nintendo Switch, which comes out the day that this episode drops. So you could walk into your local Babbage's and pick one up the very day you're hearing this episode. The question is, should you? I answer that. That's a yes or no question, Chris or Russ. Wow. <laughs> We're all the same. Uh, should you? It is actually a tough question to answer. I will answer it at the top, and then I'll kind of delve into details. You guys can ask me questions if you want. I think if you have never purchased the Switch before, and you're deciding between a normal $300 Switch and fit spending $50 more for an OLED Switch, you should definitely spend the $50 more. It is definitely better than the normal uh, Switch. Is the screen size? If I am misremembering, I apologize. But did they shrink the bez the the bezel down a little bit? Yeah. Is so the, the bezel real estate a bit bigger. Yeah, the bezel is smaller. The like black rim around the screen is smaller, and the screen yeah. is about thirteen percent bigger, which seems like a weird number and not very significant. But it actually, when it's in your hands, the screen like takes up far more of like your field of vision than the normal launch switch. I think some of that is like. Because there's not this giant black rim around it, it like kind of fills your vision more. But also, I don't know, I, it made a pretty big impact. It's the difference of like going from like a 62 inch television to a 70 inch television, which sort of contextualizes it and makes you realize, oh, it's a little more noteworthy than that. So I definitely like that is one of the big selling points for me is the bigger screen. And just the fact that like it goes almost edge to edge makes it look like a higher end product than the original Switch did. The original Switch, someone recently posted a photo of like the original iPad, which has these giant black bezels. And comparing yeah. that to like how the iPads look now, it's kind of night and day. day. All the uh, mm. all the like modification stuff I've been doing with with Switch hardware mm. taught taught me like that that bezel is. It's the biggest thing in the universe. Yeah. It is so, it's so outrageously big. And every time I would like try and come up with like a color palette for like Switch and Joy-Cons that I would like try and put together, look good. Yeah, we'll put it together. And then there would be this enormous black border like it was a, a letterbox film that has been modified to fit your TV. Uh, so that is like the big selling point for me. Yeah, people, the other big note, noteworthy thing is like 
an OLED screen in general is designed to be more contrasty, more colorful, brighter, more of a pop. And and as listeners of the besties might know, I am colorblind, at least a little bit colorblind. So I was skeptical that I would actually be able to tell the difference uh, between like a high-end LCD monitor, or not really high-end, but an LCD monitor and an OLED monitor. And I can tell you, I actually can. It is pretty significant how much brighter and um, contrastier the OLED screen is. Um, the examples that I checked out were like, uh, you know, Mario games in particular are like very uh, bright and colorful. And so like just looking at his like red hat, for example, really pops in ways that an LCD screen, it doesn't quite go to that le- uh, length. It Fresh. also works Fresh. really well for contrast. So like um, blacks, for example, the uh, like if you're in a dark room, uh, black colors will show up much, much darker than they would an LCD screen where they might be like a little bit kind of dark gray. Can I can I explain why? Yeah. So on a on a normal screen, right, all the pixels are lit up. Uh, so there's there's like these lights behind your TV. Think about it like this: this is not literal, but like a few lights behind your TV, and they're lighting up all the pixels. So even when there's like a you're looking at pure black darkness, right? There's still light coming through, and that's why it kind of looks like that kind of murky gray on on LCD TVs. On OLED, basically the the individual like black pixels are, are effectively not lighting up or it's very low light. So it creates these very, very, very dark darks, which makes everything else really pop next to it rather than looking like, you know, if you if you put a, a, a white paint, a white painting, I don't know, you put a light colored painting on a black frame, it's going to make it pop. Versus putting it on a similarly colored frame. That's what you're doing on like a pixel by pixel level. So that's why it looks great. That's why the PlayStation Vita original, which had an OLED screen, looked way ahead of its time. um, Because it makes anything that has uh, dark images. So weirdly, like horror games would look great on this. Um, A lot of 2D art, like Spelunky 1, should look really good on this. I I, I don't know if you tested that. Yeah, I uh, actually did. And yeah, it really looks very terrific. It was sharp and like bright and poppy. Um, Both of those games, Spelunky 1 and 2, both look really good. Yeah, weirdly, Um, if you you like 2D games, uh, I think it'll look, they they should look in theory great on this system. Before this, did you predominantly play on a, a light or a I, I played on a regular almost exclusively. Um, okay. The lights screen, I want to say, was slightly smaller than the um, regular, but it was an LCD screen. So w- the difference would be comparable in terms of jumping to an OLED switch. You would probably see the difference. Now, before people get all worked up, I'm not talking about screen oh. quality. I'm more concerned about the like just the experience the of holding it and playing it, which is why I switched. I was like getting like some hand numbness and stuff like that, mainly because I got some carpal tunnel. Sure, but like uh, I switched to I found the light a lot more comfortable to use. I, but I guess like carriage wise, the form factor is pretty. The form much factor is right more or less time. identical. There are slight, slight changes, but it, you won't notice the difference. Um, and I actually mentioned that in the review. The normal switch is not a very ergonomic console to hold. It just isn't. Right. Um, and it's a bummer because a lot of that ties into the Joy Cons, which are 
were designed for versatility. They were designed to work in multiplayer, sideways, and also in handheld. And it just results in like a jack of all trades, master of none situation. So yeah, that hasn't changed. I would, you know, we've maybe brought it up a few times, but like if you play a lot of handheld Switch games and you have a normal Switch, buy a Split Pad Pro. It is much better for your hands. It's kind of ugly and goofy looking, but it will not cause as much strain for your hands. But yeah, the fact that A, they haven't changed the ergonomics, which is a bummer because I agree with you. I think the light is easier to hold. And B, the fact that they haven't changed the internals of the Joy-Cons is like really bad because clearly everyone is aware at this point of Joy-Con drift and how Joy-Cons can break very easily after using it for, let's say, six months. They just like start drifting all over the place. And those haven't changed at all. They've openly said they're the exact same internals of the Joy-Cons previously. And Nintendo, come on, y'all. Like, at this point, your reputation is a little bit on the line because you have a reputation of making these consoles that, like, can sustain bomb blasts. There's a there's a Game Boy in the Nintendo right. World Store that was, like, blown up in the Iraq War and still turns on. And now you've got these Joy-Cons that, like, are failing left and right, and you're still putting them yeah. in your brand-new hardware box. So... If if a little mm. bit of Dorito dust gets in them, <laughs> that's they all it takes. Make, they don't make Mario go anymore. There's nothing cool uh, ranch about the Joy Cons. Nothing at all. I would uh, just to uh, offer another uh, uh, sort of choice for ergonomic switch play is uh, it not the. I have some of this Split Pad Pro actually from a couple different companies. Uh, I think Hori makes one, and um, I can't remember the brand that I have because there's a lot of them, uh, but. For me, the better option is a like grip case. They make like uh, like protective cases or like soft touch silicone cases that have that like add handles to the back. I have been hesitant to like get a new one of those because I don't know if the form factor of the switch, you know, will be at all different. It's and slightly different, so it might not fit. Yeah. Those. So maybe wait and, and see if, you know, there are new models that, that specifically match that. But that's the option I go with when playing the original Switch um, handheld. Yeah. And it's it's for me, it's much better than a third-party controller that just doesn't feel great. I, I do want to mention the kickstand, which seems like a very dumb thing to mention. But they changed the—probably the most dramatic change outside of the screen is the fact that they changed the kickstand. It is now, like, a full length of the, cons- uh, of the console in the back. And it— uh, when the original Switch launched, it launched with this like very puny kickstand that only worked at one angle. You could stand it up, but if you weren't looking directly at it, like it was worthless, and it snapped off all the time. It was more or less garbage. The new kickstand uh, is much wider, obviously, so it has more of a basis to stand, and also works at any angle. It just like stays. So if you bring it to like sixty three degrees, it'll stay at sixty three degrees which is great if you're like playing your games at like a desk or a table and you can sit, you don't have to like, I I would previously like lower my desk chair down to the ground to get a viable angle when playing uh, Switch games and now you don't have to. So that that is a good feature. I I do want to make it very clear though that there is a elephant in the room regarding this new model and whether you should go out and invest money in a new Switch if you already have one. And that elephant is called 4K and or the Switch Pro. Yeah. So if you haven't been following it, for the last several years, there have been rumors that Nintendo has been working on a 4K compatible Switch 
with improved hardware that will basically run games at a higher resolution when docked and just have like more horsepower in general. The rumors for that started really spiking around E3 when everyone was almost certain that they were going to announce a Switch Pro. And what they ended up announcing was the Switch LED, which had all the features that were rumored in the Switch Pro, except for the expanded uh, internals, except for the better internals. Except for being except better. Except for being like horsepower other that, wise. Other than an improvement to it. <laughs> I mean, other than a meaningful improvement, it had everything you could create. Now to add even more spice to the situation, Bloomberg has reported that they've spoken to nine different developers who have said that they have worked on games that were designed with the 4K Switch specs in mind. That seems pretty lock solid in terms of something that existed at one time and probably will exist again. Uh, My speculation in all this is that Nintendo had the plans to do this Switch Pro, had the whole design of it. We're looking at the design. The external design of it is probably what the OLED looks like. But in terms of the actual internals, they were not able to source them due to the ongoing chip shortages that the world has faced right now. So they decided instead to go ahead and just do the OLED. What does that mean for the future? I would not be shocked if next year we saw a 4K Switch Pro with all of the features of the OLED plus the upgraded internals. Legal legal check-in. Nintendo has said, basically refuted the entire Bloomberg report and said that they have no plans of releasing any other Nintendo Switch. Again, uh, 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 addendum to that, they kind of have to say this because they need to sell this thing um, to, I guess, protect their uh, the board. I don't know. Uh, well, no, because so, it's good when they sell this. When they sell, yeah, this yeah. And so when they like, release the thing and it doesn't sell, that's bad. That's bad for their business. I, I, I think like the earliest that we've heard that it could come the the new the new new version would be like very late next year, early yeah, probably alongside Breath of the Wild too. If I had to guess, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're making it. I mean, I think that we're definitely entering a landscape where people will buck less at like. I, it's just hard because I feel like you're using an argument that could be applied to a lot of consumer electronics. I, you're yeah. right, like, but I would say you know, it's. it's I don't disagree yeah. with. I mean, there's obviously like, like the only sane thing is to not and just wait until you can get everything for twenty dollars, sure. but like you know realistically like you there will be a market for those you know if you have this oled switch i'm i am certain there will be a market for it a secondhand market yeah for it, um, i i would if you wish to upgrade. i would say i think it's a little di- but honestly can i say one more thing Russ? yeah sure if you care enough to pay the money to get this oled up this let's be honest not meaningful, non-meaningful upgrade to your Switch. You are probably willing to pay the money <laughs> to get the meaningful upgrade to your Switch, which is what they are banking well, on, right? Like, just skip this one. And what uh, I mean, can, well, you, if you care that much, like, hey, you know, here, here's when I was younger, I bought the iPod Photo, which I don't know if you remember this, Jeez, but it was oh it was an God. old-fashioned iPod with the wheel on it. But it had a color screen, and you could store photos in it. And I was assured, hey, this is the top-of-the-line iPod. What could be better than this? And then the iPod Touch came out, like, the same year where it was a full-screen iPod, a touchscreen iPod, basically the iPhone. I was not 
I was not pleased about that at all. So I can imagine, you know, a young person like, hey, switch OLED. I guess this is as good as it gets. And then, you know, like within the same, what, like by next year, this time, there's a way better version out there that would stink. But sure. I just I what I'm I guess the I'm not ma- I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying like this is not Oh, it's not new. You know. It's not local to Nintendo at all. Yeah. Yeah, right. This, this is the way things are going. Like don't don't get one if it's not a if, if it's not a, like I'm looking right now at the iPhone 13, right? Is that where we're at? Yes. The iPhone 13 and feeling like, eh, I don't know. I'll probably wait to see what they get next time. Like that is the that is the attitude that you should have, I think, yeah. because I cannot I would, imagine I would counter that slightly by saying I think Nintendo's a little bit different insofar as, A, they don't do hardware revisions all that often. Consoles in general don't do it all that. It's certainly not an annual thing for... Uh, it's becoming Not annual, closer. but, like, Nintendo does a lot of versions of these things. Like, yeah, but I... Uh, I don't want... You don't want to discount the number of, like, 3DSs and... You're right. Like, iterations but I'm, on I'm that. specifically talking... Not so much talking about, like, a form factor redesign, but, like, an actual, like, upgraded hardware redesign happens maybe once every four years so when you like, say hardware are you talking like you're talking about internals. like a ps4 pro versus a ps4 like that sort of change happens pretty rarely so if you are investing in something and you want to you feel like you want to like really get the most out of it you probably want the one that has the upgraded internals rather than just you know the improved screen I, you know we're going to talk more about metroid next week when everyone's played it there are moments in metroid that hitch like definitely have frame drops almost to the point where I was like, it was this maybe made with the possibility of running on a 4k switch. And then they pulled the plug and just had it like, I don't know, like that's the sort of thing that kind of runs through my head when I'm seeing performance issues in first party Nintendo games, probably for the next year. Like was this design with maybe more powerful hardware in mind? It is totally 100% playable and an awesome game. We'll again, talk about it next week, but it's a very weird situation to have this like thing kind of hovering in the background. It, it hasn't happened very often. My take on it. And I know that we have sort of like gone back and forth on this, but like my take on it is this, if you don't know, there's a global uh, chip shortage that is impacting sure. um, nearly every industry and having ripple effects into others. I, to me, it is abundantly clear that Nintendo planned to release an upgraded internals version of the switch this holiday season. And those plans were thwarted by the chip shortage. And they already had the components for the OLED. So they went ahead with this like sort of half step measure. If they're being cagey about next year's plans, it's because nobody fucking knows. Like nobody knows. Elon Musk was in an interview this week. Who's like, I think it's getting better. This may be during the, when they were doing the, the, um, you know, the financials, like, I think it's getting better. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like he doesn't know. Nintendo's not going to be like, "Yep, coming in 2022." You know, this new this no, new sure. joint. They have no idea. Nobody knows. That's like fair. so that is that is the, that's what you're also buying into is that unpredictability of like there may be another one next year. There, might there not also be. may yep. not be. Yes. Also, if they did know, they would not say they know. Like Elon yeah, Musk no. is not going to yeah. go out there and be like, "Actually, I feel very confident." He's going to play it close to the chest, like. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know what more you need. Uh, I have a full review on Polygon.com if you want to read the review of the OLED. Um, but it is a very interesting situation. I'm happy to be using it. It's definitely an upgrade over the last one. But I think whether it's for you is is kind of a buyer 
a buyer to buyer decision. That's the trickiest thing on earth about these like hardware half step, like doing reviews when we used to do, when I used to do these at, at Polygon and we would all collaborate on them. What it essentially comes down to is this. What does $300 mean to you? Yeah, sure. Because it is, an, it is a, it is an upgrade, right? But like for you, $300 may be weeks of working, you know, in which case probably not yeah. worth it. You may be, I can remember the first time I was working at Best Buy and I saw a, uh, a professional athlete who lived in the area. Call him out. In. Call him out, like, Justin. Come on. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was long Michael time ago. Jordan. It was Troy Brown. Troy, Troy, Huntington's <laughs> own Troy Brown. So he was in Best Buy, and I, I, I it may not have been Troy Brown. Now that it was a long time ago. But he was uh, throwing a bunch of CDs and DVDs in the basket, not even really paying attention. And I remember thinking, like, holy shit, this guy's going to bankrupt himself buying all this media. <laughs> How can this guy do this? And then I realized, like, this is nothing to this man. <laughs> this is not. This is nothing. Like you, he, you know, he's just filling up a basket, buying to check stuff out. That may be your case with the, this OLED switch. Uh, uh, in which case, you know, it, it also go with it also depends on how how big of a fill a basket. It also depends on how big of a like gear pervert you are. Like I love mm-hmm. I love Nintendo hardware, uh, uh, like a lot. If there was a thing that I like, I you know I mod them and shit. Like if there's a thing that I collect in this world, it would be that. And so. I don't know. For me, that's a thing that I really enjoy. It's just, it's just Nintendo hardware. I will say that this is less exciting in that sense because there's not like a huge aesthetic difference, like the yeah. fifty different Nintendo 3DSs that I have. But yeah, I would also. I mean, I, the other argument that I always come back to is like if you're talking about visual enhancements, wh- whether it be a screen or even if it's like textures or whatever, you will notice that stuff at first, and then you will not notice it ten minutes in. I mean, yeah. hunt, like it just. You 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 ignore it. That said, ergonomics mm-hmm. and other functionality like that, you notice that every yeah. day. Like that that is the kind of thing that like I think is absolutely worth it if they were to release a comfortable switch, a switch that was comfortable to hold for extended That's period a dream, of time. Man. Yeah, we have some reader mail. Yeah, hit uh, me. this is a, a interesting question from that dang Phil. It's about Super Monkey Ball. Do the monkeys enjoy being inside the monkey balls? Is this pleasurable to them? 100%. Absolutely yes. not. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Oh. Wait, okay. you say, you're saying unequivocally they enjoy it? Unquestionably, yes. Why do you base it? That's ridiculous. It actually that doesn't Okay, so first of all, they put a baby in there, a baby monkey. Yeah. And he seems yeah, to be having yeah, yeah. a blast, like no question about it. Secondly, I think they have full control over whether they're in the ball or not, as incorrect, evidenced by incorrect. Monkey Target, where they can open and close the ball at will. Uh, incorrect. incorrect. Just because. Incorrect. Yeah, can, can I tell you yeah. why it's incorrect? Fucking, they put a Dreamcast in there. <laughs> the Dreamcast isn't opening the ball. The Dreamcast isn't steering. That monkey is on a fucking uncontrollable ride versus the infinite, right? <laughs> Where he is not steering, he is running along with some maniacally controlled sphere, hoping against hope that he is not plunged into death yeah. and instantly resuscitated for another course on this hellish You're saying, ride. The, the no way is he enjoying not himself. the monkey. The ground moves, not the monkey. Wait, yeah, are you saying absolutely. that it's the same monkey? Because I just figured that they don't die. They just fall into like an endless pit and then we get another one. No, this is how purgatory. is that better? I didn't say it how was is that better? better. Give me spikes at the bottom. Don't make me fall forever. <laughs> I didn't say it was. I, it's clearly bad. Are you saying, Plant, that if the camera continued down below the course, there would be a massive, 
almost unthinkably large ravine <laughs> full of monkey skeletons and plastic balls. Well, it not like at the bottom of anything that they would just it, it would be like uh, imagine space, like all of a space, and then just picture like this dead is monkeys. Fucking! In it. I, you cannot tell people you're going to talk about video games and deliver Lovecraftian <laughs> horror. Yeah. You can't do it. I'm just saying what the game is. <laughs> He's just describing the mechanics of the game, the different levels and graphics. You get to open the ball in Monkey Target to use as a parachute, and I imagine that that's the best few seconds of that monkey's life. <laughs> oh, that makes it's sense like, too, because then when they're in space, they open the ball and they just instantly freeze to death, which is probably much better than just floating sweet, forever. The sweet release, yeah. Mm. Um, um, next question's from Brett. What if Sega Channel had succeeded? Does anybody want to explain what Sega Channel was? No, no. No? <laughs> what, what, wait, what is why it? No, to... I, I, I just can't. So, plant you. Sega Channel yeah, was okay. Nothing. If you can imagine a, a game. I, I do want to establish. I know you guys are worried about your bona fides. Do you know what it is? Sort or of. I know you like hook up to the internet and download games or something. Yeah, it was like a cartridge that plugged it was a modem shaped like a cartridge that would plug into the slot and then hook up to your um, cable connection. And you would like download games through hmm. it. Wild, absolutely wild. I mean, I guess that did succeed in a way. The concept succeeded, right? I uh, think the idea is that Sega would effectively it would like rule the internet. It would right? be like Steam if Sega was. Steam. I mean, here Sega Channel and Sega, like all of Sega's online ideas from the Dreamcast period to, it's really just Xbox, like. Xbox Live is just a continuation of what Sega was doing. So I, I think if you want to know what that would look like, I think we could just say like, hey, Xbox Live, it continues to this day. It just was owned by a different company. They had, did you realize that they had um, uh, at the beginning 50 and then eventually uh, a year after re- release, 70 different games updated bi-weekly. Oh my God. On, on the Sega on, channel? On, on Sega Jesus. channel. Everyone yeah. Else. It's ridiculous. Good for that. Uh, uh, that's all the questions I have. Uh, what else are y'all enjoying before we wrap up? Um, I've been uh, playing the Diablo 2 remake on Switch. I, tr- I I booted up because I wanted to test whether the larger screen on the OLED made games like that more playable. Because I p- tried playing that game on the original um, Switch, and it was the text was very small and kind of hard to make out. And even though the resolution doesn't change in the larger screen, I actually found it to be a lot more playable on the larger OLED screen. So that was kind of interesting. I'm also kind of just, I mean, its I played so much of that game as a kid uh, growing up. So it is kind of a throwback. Obviously, a little bit tainted by the whole situation going on right now and, and monstrousness. But again, there were a lot of people that worked on that game that did nothing wrong and don't deserve to be you know, have their work rocketed into space because there were some disgusting monsters. Um, right. But as a game, you know, I think it is very much like a throwback. Like it is not as playable or easy to get into as like Diablo three, but uh, I'm enjoying it. It just kind of scratches a, a retro itch for me. I played the uh, beta of Diablo two resurrected yep. and I did not play that game growing up. But I got really into Diablo 3 yeah. uh, on Switch. Like, really, really into it. And I just, Diablo 2 just, I realized this is going to be heretical to a lot of people, but like, just felt like a kind of boring and slow version <laughs> of Diablo 3, <III, laughs> which is like, that's how the march of video game development progress 
goes on, but um, yeah, I don't think I would be able to get into it as much as I have without that nostalgia factor tied into it. It's just, right, that's what's driving me. If you didn't play yeah. it originally, find somebody who did and play with them and live vicariously through their excitement. I that's what I've been doing, um, with Maddie uh, Myers at Polygon, and it. It, it's it's much better having somebody being like, no, no, you don't understand. It was fun that you didn't get any of the good stuff for the first three <laughs> hours. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been playing an iOS game, everybody. Alert, alert. Alert. Uh, I've been playing an iOS game called, and you're going to think this is a joke, but it's not. It's called Farm RPG. <laughs> it's called Farm RPG. And it is if you put Stardew Valley in a spreadsheet. Uh, that's an oversimplification. Do you guys remember a dark room? The yeah, yes. Uh, and then what was the follow up to a dark room called? Do you remember they made like another one that was? Oh like, dang, that's yeah. gonna irritate um, me. It was, oh um, god, it was some sort of. Uh, it was like a military. Uh, a darker officer room? position. Uh, Shit, that's gonna. Ki- we need to f- a noble circle. Huh? No, that's not it. Uh, any- the ensign. The ensign. The yes, ensign. that's right. Uh, okay. Anyway, it's kind of like that, where like you have a farm and you you buy seeds and you plant them in the farm, but it all takes place in these very. It all takes place in UI. It's just a big UI where you press buttons to plant things, and then you you know sell them to get money, and then maybe you unlock a coop or a or a you know a barn or a sawmill, and you can go exploring and you can go fishing. But it all takes place in these sort of like timed out spreadsheets and i have been completely absorbed by it um so if if that sounds like your jam if you liked those games if you like sort of that that farm vibe uh farm rpg it's also an mmo essentially like there's a constant online chat room and people are like trading shit and yeah it's it's fantastic or why not (laughs) why not why shouldn't it be I uh, I have two quick ones. One uh, is an Apple arcade game that I know is on uh, Switch and PS4 and probably some other stuff. It's called Jenny LeClue. Mm, yeah. Which is a, it's a an, an adventure, you know, investigation game. Looks great. Very well performed. It's a cool, like, she's sort of like an Encyclopedia Brown type. It is so much so that, like, the narrator of the game is the author of her book series and he's like sort of narrating what you're doing uh, while you're doing it, which presents like a cool, there's like a meta story about the author of this, this story. Um, it's really neat. The puzzles are, are cute. Uh, it's a great game to play with a kid. If you, if you, uh, this is one that Charlie and I play, you know, before she heads to bed. The other one I, I played this week is called box one, which is a board game. If I could bring that to your attention. Um, it is, uh, like created by a company called Theory Eleven in conjunction with Neil Patrick Harris, and it is a a narrative board game designed to be played by yourself. Um, and it leads you through a sort of like twisting story. The box itself changes and evolves as you're playing, when it's full of like different secrets and and hidden riddles and stuff like that. There's a digital like online component to the game. Uh, that, uh, you know, is part of it and is part of this, like, building narrative and building story. Um, Very, very neat. Um, Very, very cool. It's called Box One. I don't want to say pretty much anything else about it. You know, you can play it with another person if you want. It it might lessen the effect a little bit, but, like, it's just a cool idea to have a, a, 
a board game just designed for one person to play that is like narrative less than like, um, you know, more mechanical. Uh, my recommendation for the week, uh, it's spoopy season. The Exorcist, y'all, you gotta go watch The, the Exorcist. It's The what, Exorcist? The Will- William Friedkin turns out one of the best directors, Sorcerer, Whew. one of my favorite movies of all time. I hadn't actually watched The Exorcist since high school. That movie uh, holds up. It is absolutely fantastic, but I'm gonna give you a little bit more. After you watch it, watch the documentary Leap of Faith, which is about how it was made. It's basically just a one-on-one interview with the director. And listen to the podcast Unspooled because they have a new season that the first episode is about uh, the movie. Uh, I I want you to not have to spend a lot of money, dear listener. So if you uh, go to either Apple TV or Amazon, you can get a uh, seven-day free trial of AMC+. Just set a little reminder for yourself to cancel that right after you watch uh, watch both that movie and the documentary, which are both on the service. And hey, you've got a, a free evening of uh, of spoopy fun. All right. Cool. Um, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties. Uh, Arcanine Pup ninety six. It's Wayne B, who I assume is Wayne Brady, Cylon, Kegler, and Ham Rick is here. Thank you, everyone, for writing reviews. Thank you to everyone else who wrote reviews. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can drop your reviews into Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet, uh, or you can just share the show on Twitter. Tell people about it. We talked about Super Monkey Ball Mania, and then we talked about basically every Sega game. I, I don't I don't think we talked about any of them long enough or seriously enough that it's worthy of a full recap. So Persona, Yakuza, Shinmu, Seaman, go play them all. You said that last one not intentionally semen. bad. Not semen. Oh, seaman. There you go. Seaman's the seaman. No, we talked about both one and two. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> fair. And yeah. it's actually seas man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about the honorable mentions, real quick? Box one, Jenny LeClue, Diablo two resurrected farm RPG. I think that was it. And the Exorcist. The Exorcist. Next week we're going to be talking about Metroid Dread. Holy cow, I've played the whole thing and beat it. We'll see how these fellas think about the game. It is not easy. All right. Oh, you got it's about your skills. I mean, about your skills specifically. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us again next time for the besties. Because should the world's best friends be the world's best games? Besties!